once again, Captain Hindsight comes to this House and attacks the government for doing exactly what he urged us to do 18 months ago. Lots of words, lots of bluster, no answers. Uh, uh, word of warning. Word of warning, Prime Minister. That's not going to work with the police. <laughs> Market rate, £3,000 a day. Were you signing Lionel Messi? This is First Minister's questions. Just once, just once, it would be nice to get a First Minister's answer. Any political party in this chamber that was confident in their arguments around independence would not be desperate to deny the people of Scotland the right to make that choice. The Steamy, a laudable production for the Scotsman. Hello and welcome to The Steamy, the Scotsman's political podcast. My name's Conor Matchett, I'm Deputy Political Editor at The Paper, um, and with me this week, as per usual, are our political editor, Alistair Grant, our Westminster correspondent, Alex, Alex Brown, and, uh, sorry Alex, you've been away for a while. And also our political correspondent, Hannah Brown. Um, welcome all of you, it was a seismic day in Holyrood yesterday, um, something that I think caught pretty much everyone at by surprise, certainly caught the opposition parties by surprise. Nicola Sturgeon stood up in front of MSPs and announced her quote-unquote route map to um, independence, particularly an independence referendum. Um, Alistair, take us through you know, the bare bones of, of what she said yesterday. Yeah, so I think there were three key strands to this. And the first one is that she actually introduced the NDRF2 legislation. So it's the first time we've seen that kind of the final formal legislation. Uh, so it had the kind of question the Scottish government wants to ask, the same question as in 2014, should Scotland be an independent country? It also had the date, October 19th, 2023. It's the first time we'd seen that date when she announced it in Holyrood uh, on the back of that legislation. So that was the first thing. Uh, the second thing, which was quite dramatic was that she said that she'd asked the Lord Advocate, Scotland's most senior law officer, to refer this legislation to the Supreme Court uh, to kind of decide, she said, once and for all, whether or not Holyrood has the power to have, to kind of legislate on this issue, to legislate for a second independence referendum. This has been a long-running debate in Scottish politics, a long-running legal debate. It's been going on for years, various different opinions on it. Um, although I think these days the opinion is probably that it's unlikely the Supreme Court will fall on the Scottish government's side. But either way, by doing that, I think she's kind of wrong-footed a lot of people in a way, because a lot of people thought this referendum legislation would be introduced to Holyrood and then perhaps challenged by the UK government uh, or challenged by some other group, maybe potentially. Um, so I think by referring it themselves to the Supreme Court, asking the Lord Advocate to do that, that was quite a, a dramatic moment, I think. And then the third strand to this was Nicola Sturgeon said, if that bill is struck down in the Supreme Court, then the SNP will fight the next general election on a single issue, should Scotland be an independent country? Um, I think, again, that's quite a dramatic kind of departure from the Nicola Sturgeon caution that we're all quite used to. Uh, so I think there was more substance than expected, actually, in the, in the update to Holyrood. Um, and I think it did move the debate on a bit. I think potentially that third strand, that kind of general election issue, using a future general election as a so-called de facto referendum, perhaps 
raises the most difficulties for the SNP. There's a lot of questions around how that would operate in practice. I think there was already confusion on the radio and TV broadcast rounds this morning with John Swinney saying that um, simply electing a majority of seats in Scotland would be enough to claim a mandate. That's the opposite of what the government was briefing to journalists yesterday. Nicola Sturgeon later contradicted that on the TV and said, no, actually, it'd have to be vote share to be getting more than 50% of the vote. I think just to look back at previous general elections in 2015, when the SNP had their kind of landslide victory and got, I think, 56 out of 59 Scottish seats, they had pretty much almost exactly 50% of the vote share then. So it's not completely impossible to imagine that they'd get more than 50% of the vote in some kind of de facto running in a de facto referendum situation, but it is a big ask. You know, it's quite quite a big ask. Um, and I think in 2019, their vote share was something like 45%. So you can see how it's happened in the past. They've kind of got close, but getting over that 50%, I think is quite a big barrier. It's certainly much more of a big barrier than getting simply a majority of seats, which for the SNP is pretty achievable. In fact, almost expected. Um, yeah, so yeah. that was pretty much the update. Uh, sorry, Alistair, I was going to say, I think in 20, 2015, it was 49.97% of the, the popular vote went to the SNP to give people, you know, an indication of how close that was. And, you know, if you think back to 2015, that was a incredible swing towards the SNP on the back of the 2014 referendum momentum. Um, and, you know, I think it was the Greens got 1.3% of the vote that that election as well, which, you know, if that had all gone to the SNP, that would have been over that 50% mark. It's a huge uh, strategic gamble to to base that on. But Alex, I'll, I'll come to you next and ask, you know, did this did the UK government, uh, was that, were they blindsided by it? Was it a surprise to them? You know, particularly the move to take the legal challenge out of the hands of the UK government and just chuck it to the Supreme Court straight away? I think there's been like an expectation. Obviously, this this is always going to happen. The SNP been in power for 15 years. It's not a surprise that Pro-Independence Party is now trying to make Scotland independent. Um, and they will have wargamed every single uh, possibility for how it can happen, despite the fact the UK government is saying, because it's repeatedly said, once a generation, we're not even thinking about it. We know that money has been spent to find out, you know, what the attitudes are towards independence and what 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 can be done to stop it? Like we know money's been spent on that and the UK government won't say how much money. So we don't really know the details of their plans in opposition. So I don't think it's really a surprise. I just think it's like, this was coming. It's maybe not the way that everyone expected, but they will have known every possibility because it's been a looming threat for basically ever. And ha- Hannah, what, what, do you, what do you think the... Uh kind of political result of it was do you think it moves us forward and maybe the 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 campaign for independence forward because that that's one that's been one of the big criticisms of Nicola Sturgeon as as first minister and as leader of the SNP is that the the campaign for independence has resulted in stagnation and you know kind of a just failure to move anything further on sure so yeah I, I mean I was talking to a few kind of um very strong national supporters are well sorry very strong SNP supporters yesterday actually um who were telling me that it it was something of excitement for them to hear this and it was something that made them think wow she's actually got a kind of proper plan in place we've got a date you know October 19th uh, of next year I mean that's that's huge for so many people and if she's going to keep to that 
like she says she has, and she's been very adamant on that, that is giving a lot of people hope, I guess, within the uh, Yes movement, not just within SNP ranks, but say you're, I don't know, a Green voter or um, you support independence, but you're from Labour um, or wherever. Um, people across, I guess, the political divide might be and who, who want independence in Scotland will, I think, probably be... Um, yeah, uh, given a renewed sense of hope from this. And I mean, even listening to Nicola Sturgeon on the radio this morning and on uh, several kind of TV uh, interviews that she did, it was definitely the, the line that she was leading with was it's a democratic right for the people of Scotland. I think something that she said on Sky News, um, so we're recording on Wednesday, um, is that she will not, and the Scottish people and Scottish democracy will not be held a prisoner to Boris Johnson. So she was quite strong in her message to that. You know, she she mentioned, you know, when in 2014, uh, when the referendum was happening then, there were issues where people were held back because they thought they might lose EU membership, so they didn't want to go away from... Uh, yeah, that. So, but now we're away from that after Brexit. Now we've completely seen a completely different change. And then also Boris Johnson in 2014, I think Nicola Sturgeon said that um, it was considered ridiculous for Boris Johnson to be prime minister. And now look at the reality. Um, and yeah, I think she also mentioned the worst cost of living crisis. So I guess if you're someone who sees all these issues um, in Scotland, say, for example, high crime rates um, and other issues that have been mentioned, like drug deaths. Uh, that's something that's been kind of talked about as being put to the side in the face of independence. But if you are an independent supporter, you see all these issues linked to the pursuit of independence. The, the whole point of this is to, to ensure that Scotland can properly handle uh, these issues by itself and take authority and control. So I think it was really interesting that Nicola Sturgeon was honing in on that um, in interviews today because she knows that's where her votes will lie. And, and yeah, I think that will give people a renewed sense of hope. Alistair, what, what do you make of the Supreme Court decision? Do you think it's likely that uh, the SNP will come out with that with what they want want to? No, I mean, I think, you know, as I was saying earlier, it's been such a long-running debate in Scottish politics, and I think it's long-running legal debate as well. There's a lot of legal acad academics that have kind of debated this and weighed in over the years. Uh, I think from speaking to uh, Aileen McCarr, I guess did a piece for Scotland on Sunday about this um, either last week or the week before, um, who made some quite interesting points around it and was essentially saying that when she looked at this issue kind of prior to the, I think a few years prior to the 2014 referendum, she was kind of of the opinion that it was arguable that Holyrood would have the legislative competence to introduce some kind of uh, legislation for a second referendum or, or back then just a referendum without the consent of the UK government. Um, but she said that she'd kind of become less convinced and now thought it was quite unlikely uh, well, I think don't think she was ever convinced, but it certainly got more unlikely over the years. And she made a couple of interesting points around we now have more case law when it comes to issues kind of adjacent to this. And also, I think the, the, certainly the perception is the Supreme Court has become a bit more conservative in how it uh, interprets law around this area and law around other areas. Its, its approach has become a bit more conservative in this regard. So I think when you listen to 
most experts, in fact, I can't really think of anyone who disagrees with this at the moment, on the likelihood of that bill being upheld in the Supreme Court, uh, most of them would say that it's unlikely. But I think from Nicola Sturgeon's point of view, it's good to just answer this question now. And I think, as I was saying earlier, I think it was a smart move to get Lord Advocate or to ask Lord Advocate to refer the matter to the Supreme Court. Because I think if they pushed ahead and if they published, they'd introduced legislation to Holyrood, you'd have all the opposition parties going on about, you know, quote unquote, a pretendy ref, you know, using kind of language like wildcat or illegal referendum, questioning the, the legality of it. Uh, and you'd also have, you know, this potentially quite long legal process in which either the UK government challenges it or even longer, some outside body challenges it if the UK government doesn't. Uh, and it would just be wrapped up in this court battle for ages. All the debate would be around the legality of it. And I think they've just short-circuited that. They've got straight to the issue and they're trying to answer that question. And I think that is a smart political move. And I do think it moves the debate on. And I think it would be good just to have that question answered. Because as I say, it's just been hanging over Scottish politics for so long now. And we're all, to be frank, getting a bit sick of talking about it. <laughs> that move kind of puts her on the offensive for the first time in a long time, doesn't it? You know, for a long time, we've been hearing about, you know, the the SNP effectively having to defend their strategy on independence and, you know, the the seeming brick wall in front of them and that stopping them from having a referendum and having a meaningful vote on, on independence. This is an offensive move. It puts the opposition in particular on the back foot. Um, Alex, I don't know what the, if the Scottish Tories have spoken to you at all, or any any MPs have spoken to you about, you know, whether or not they now feel like they are, you know, having to respond to what happened yesterday. Um, I haven't spoken to. So, uh, full disclosure, it's my first day back since Glastonbury. I don't like to talk about it. Uh, the fact that I went. So, my knowledge of I haven't spoken to very few people, but those I have spoken to, SNP MPs, are just a bit like. It's a mixed bag, really, with them. Some are, like, really excited because they were like, oh, fine, we're cracking on. But generally, they're just like, yeah, I one rather, like, I mean, you know, just sent me an emoji, like, they're all rolling their eyes, like, they don't care. They're not that fast. It's going to happen eventually, maybe, just want to get on with what they're doing. They don't really care at all. And I was speaking to SMPs, you know, before this happened, and there were loads of SMP MPs who publicly are incredibly, like, Let's get independence done, oven ready, uh, single country. But actually, they just can't be bothered. There's like load, and they know there's loads going on, and they've you know there's much more interesting or at least important things happening now. Um, and be the response from you know the other opposition parties is obviously, oh, you're distracted, you're not focusing on this, you're not focusing on that. But I don't know how much Scottish Tories are in any position to criticise the SNP over not being focused when they spent their time, like, arguing amongst themselves about the Prime Minister. They've got a leader who spends his time, like, trying to sort out donors to build tree houses allegedly, in his back garden or get wallpaper. Like, the idea that political parties can't do more than one thing at any given time is just simply, like, a political tactic and a criticism for the sake of. There are so many criticisms you can make of the SNP's record, but I don't think anyone's surprised at having they're going to try and do this, and I don't think any MPs are particularly like moved either way. It's like it's just it's like if you're a Tory, if you're opposing this, and I, you know, I did get a couple of texts, just they're just kind of irritated, like, oh, fine, you know, of course they are. But no one's like, oh no, it's happening. Oh God, we need a new campaign. Oh man, like this is so big, I can't believe they're doing it because 
we knew they're going to try to do it and i think there's still probably maybe a minor bit of skepticism skepticism i can't speak i'm so ruined i'm a husk of a human being whether uh this is actually going to even go ahead anyway so yeah let's shift it on to what i think is probably the more important and certainly you know arguably the more interesting aspect of of what she said yesterday which is around this de facto referendum um and that would be for the general election in 2024 assuming there isn't a a political suicide mission from boris johnson in the snap election before then um i think alistair you mentioned earlier about some confusion john swinney been on twitter since we've been you know recording this saying that actually he misheard uh, gary robertson on good morning scotland and that a majority of the popular vote not seats is what's needed which matches what um journalists were briefed yesterday by the scottish government and um, why do you think that is such a seismic or a, such a significant shift in their rhetoric um you know going forward well i think it's just it's it's quite dramatic in the sense that it's you know nicholas Hitchin is as i was mentioning earlier is renowned for her caution and this is not a cautious move as such i mean i think it's just a lot of questions around how that would work in practice uh, and to be honest you know, i can't believe that there was confusion over this you know we're, again we're recording this on wednesday morning confusion over this on wednesday morning the day after this statement was made to hollywood when you've got john swinney saying one thing nicholas sturgeon having to contradict that later on in a tv broadcast i know john swinney is saying that he i think he's saying that he misheard Mm. has heard the question but i mean even so it just seems r- remarkable that there's creating confusion over this such a key strand of that strategy that they were announcing yesterday uh, you've got to be crystal clear about these things but even with that clarity even with them now saying that you know they're talking about a majority of the vote share uh, i think it's just so many questions around how that, how that would work i mean even if you achieve over 50 percent of the, of the of the vote share and you're then saying to the UK government, look, we've got a mandate for independence now. And that's what they're saying. It's a mandate for independence, not a referendum. You know, what's to stop the UK government just saying, no, you don't. We don't recognise this mandate at all. And it also seems to slightly fly in the face of what Nicola Sturgeon has always said before, that she wants this kind of gold standard referendum, this process that's completely legally watertight and that's internationally recognised. And it's hard to see... You know, at the end of the day, I mean, we've spoken about this before in the podcast, but at the end of the day, what the SNP want is independence. They don't just want a referendum. And this process, you know, it's hard to see how that would lead to independence in any kind of clean way if the UK government isn't playing ball and the international community are not going to recognise something the UK government isn't recognising. So it just has the potential to get extremely messy, to be honest. I know why they've done it in the sense that they were always going to get questions about what happens if the Supreme Court strikes down your legislation what are you going to do next is that the end of the road uh and this is a way for them to say no it's not we've got another thing up our sleeve we're going to apply pressure in this way but it seems to be very much just a tactic to apply pressure rather than a tactic that will actually lead anywhere in and of itself uh, i don't know what you guys think of it hannah what's what are your thoughts yeah i, <clears throat> I mean it's I think I think they were always had they had always had to play a hand that showed themselves to be leading on with the fight towards the independence date ever since a date was given in October twenty well ever since that month really was given in October twenty three they had to show they were they were doing something so whatever that means would have been and I think that the interesting point 
mentioning the Lord Advocate Dorothy Bain is 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 a really important point. I don't think we'll have foresight. I think I'm right in saying this of what her decision will be. Is that right? Once it does come out, it will just kind of. I'm not quite sure. Um, anyway, I'll leave that point away because I don't. Well, I think it just goes to the Supreme Court now. Yeah. So it'll be whether the Supreme Court's decision Whatever, is will be yeah, there. Exactly. So we won't have an understanding, in essence, of of her ruling on it, if that makes sense, I think is what I'm trying to get um, to the point of. So I think by bringing in big names like that and showing that this is something that Scotland wants to do, I think it does show, I guess, a, a strong stance from the Scottish government um, and they had to kind of do with something. But I, yeah, I, I mean, I don't really have many views on it. I just think that this was a hand that they had to play and the Supreme Court um, hand in a way, in my own opinion, was a good one. And yes, it is unlikely. And of course, they're going to be, um, they're not going to get that through. But at the same time, it is good that they are playing that hand to show that there is movement. I mean, the 2024 election, if we if we assume for the sake of argument that the SNP don't get what they want from the Supreme Court later this year, um, the 2024 general election is going to, probably be fought on two issues, one being, you know, boot out Boris or, you know, unnamed future conservative leader um, slash prime minister, and also on independence. Now, in Scotland, at least, um, the, the the voters of interest here are Scottish Labour voters. You know, I think we can discount the Conservatives as, you know, they're all going to vote a certain particular way, and they'll probably only win five or six seats anyway, maybe maybe stretching to eight on the assumption that there's a bit of a rebound for a future leader that isn't Boris Johnson. Um, But there's an interesting angle to this of like around, I think, 25-30% of Scottish Labour voters are pro-independence. And that provides the SNP with quite a strong political argument going into that general election of, you know, either waste your vote on a Labour Party um, candidate who's not going to get elected as an MP anyway, or vote for independence. I mean, do we think that has any sort of mm. political power or, you know, salience when a general election is on the line rather than just a, you know, a Hollywood election or something like that? I mean, I think I think you're right that of all the parties that could potentially suffer out of this is Labour. You know, the Tories in a way will be quite pleased to fight an election on purely the single issue of independence if that's what it came down to, because that's what they always do. They they fight an issue as the, the unionist party. You know, we're the strongest ones in the union. Labour has always had a more difficult run of this when it's come to constitutional politics. It's not the reason for the party existing. It's not something they particularly want to talk about. So yeah, they've got the potential to be squeezed by this. I would say that it's hard to see how a general election could be fought on a single issue in the sense that elections are messy. You don't really control them. Lots of things happen. Lots of things come up. Uh, frequently the messages the party is trying to get get across become you know they're firefighting and lots of different issues things happen the debate moves on uh you know there's leader debates there'll be other things that get brought up other things that are talked about it's just very hard to imagine them just running out on this purely this simply this one issue uh, and i think it also you know the SP have always said they've got these repeated mandates anyway because their manifesto has a commitment to a second referendum i mean by going down this route, they're kind of, you could make an argument that they're sort of undermining their own position in previous years in the sense that, you know, is this more of a mandate than having something in your 
manifesto. I mean, I suppose it is if you're turning the whole election into that. But again, how much can they really control that? I just think it's, yeah, it will be, if it comes down to it and if this is actually what happens, it will be interesting to say the least if they can actually manage to control the debate to that extent what to make I, it when, meaningful go on hannah sorry what i also find interesting about this is right now nicola sturgeon is talking about the democratic right of the scottish people right and if they were forced into making a general election essentially an independence referendum then you would kind of be forcing people to almost compromise their democratic rights because they'd be voting for a party just on the basis of independence when in fact they might want to vote for another party you know it's not it's not necessarily yeah I just find it a little bit hypocritical right now that you're leading with democratic rights and then when you look at how People might want to vote, for example, they might want to be green voters. And like you said, Connor, they might want to be Labour if, they, if there's that huge kind of, yeah, 25, 30% intake of like pro-independence people there. So I just feel like, yeah, it's it's and it's rare that I sometimes agree with Alex Salmon in the current day and age. But his, his whole point, I think, when he was doing a few interview rounds was that it's so important for the independence campaign, regardless of political parties, to show complete and utter unity. And I think some people, I mean, there's a bit of uncertainty around that in the air with, I think it was Lorna Slater that came on recently on um, BBC Drive Time. I think uh, that she said that basically she didn't, or she wouldn't admit to having foresight of, or of whether or not she had foresight of uh, Nicola Sturgeon's announcement. And I think for a lot of people, um, even independent supporters, that would be concerning uh, because there is this potential, yeah, lack of unity or lack of, yeah, maybe the SNP just wanting to grab the bulls by the horn for themselves rather than for this main movement towards independence. And I think, yeah, that needs to be shown um, if you want to win round the people, um, and yeah, to to the damage of Labour, to the yeah probably the the benefits of the Conservatives, but at the same time, if you are purporting this democratic right, I don't know necessarily if you're being forced into a general election to host an independence referendum. If that if that may compromise people's rights, I think is that I think the is issue that- of sorry, I was just going to say I think the issue of the other independence parties is a really good one because i mean how would they how would the greens how would alaba how would any other party that supports independence i mean how would they react to this general election being fought in a single issue i mean the independence movement you often get people on social media for example talking about how it's so much bigger than the smp and it's not the smp if a general election was run on a single issue by the smp they are completely conflating themselves with the independence movement i mean we all know that they basically are the independence movement to any meaningful extent in scotland other than you know, perhaps the Greens and Hollywood elections. But I think it's, yeah, it's interesting to see how other parties would react to that. Would the Greens, how would they react to it? I don't know. Do do we not think, though, just going back to your point, Hannah, that, you know, that's effectively what this, the Conservatives fought the 2019 election on. It was effectively a referendum on Boris Boris's Brexit. Mm-hmm. And they, they took the result as as such. Now, I'm not saying that you know, they got anywhere close to 50% of the popular vote, but they certainly made that effectively a one-issue um, election. Is it not more a case of, 
you know, voters are being asked to prioritise, and I think this is potentially where Scottish, Scottish Labour and Labour more generally will will position themselves, is that, you know, voters will be asked to prioritise either the continuation of a, of a and I'm talk, speaking in Labour terms here, of a failed Conservative government, or in Scotland, you know, independence and that distraction, mm-hmm. um, or for the alternative, the new, the fresh, the focused, the people who care about what what actually you know matters and 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 you know affects people's pockets. Is that not really what could happen? Sure, know, surely, not- surely the difference is that when the Tories ran the general election on that platform, that they had the means to carry it out what they were saying. I mean. I think that's what the SNP will have to answer. Do do they? I mean, how how would they go about negotiating for independence afterwards? How would they? What exactly do they mean by having a mandate to enact that? Mm. Yeah, I mean, because they don't have the means to do it independently, particularly you know, given the UK government. Particularly given Nicola Sturgeon said in answer to a question from me yesterday in a in a in a brief <laughs> huddle huddle Woo! yesterday, don't be ridiculous when I asked. When I asked her whether or not she was going to unilaterally declare independence, like that—that's a—that felt like the only reasonable conclusion. Mm. Um, I, think, I think Alex, do, sorry, Hannah, go sorry, for it. I was just going to quickly say, I think the the point with the uh, with comparing it to what, what happened with Brexit with the UK Parliament is really interesting, and it's also something that Nicola Sturgeon brought up herself uh, this morning. She said, "Well, we have a, a stronger mandate," and. I respect that. I also agree very much with Alistair that they'll have to, in essence, prove themselves more, and they'll have to show how they're gonna they're gonna get to that. But yeah, I just think that if you are going to say these things and if you're going to hold yourself up for this um, and compare it to that and show well we're stronger and better, yeah, you need to you need to push forward with it. Alex, do you think Labour are ready to fight a general election in Scotland on on that basis? God no. <laughs> I mean, are Labour ready to fight a general election in Scotland? I mean, the uh, you know Ian Murray, uh, the, the village of uh, Asterix and Obelix himself, the last man holding off against the invaders. He's ready. Like realistically, they're not going to win in Scotland. It's like not like there's not like some silver bullet. The Labour Party can grow inch by inch, is what it's kind of doing under Starmer, which is not really happening in Scotland. It's like, it's more popular than it was, but it was such a low bar. It's now just a professional outfit, where before you'd ring the press office and no one would ever answer. They are still so far off. Uh, and I don't think anything suddenly changes um, because of this. Even their popularity in the UK is like very much down to the Conservatives being. Um, in the, in the Labour view, uh, massive cowards uh, who are incompetent and corrupt. So I don't think this suddenly means that the Labour are going <laughs> to have, have a leg to stand on. Though I mean, sure, I'm sure Ian Murray would say otherwise, and that and the Anas is ready to lead, and actually we've all been really inspired by Keir Starmer's leadership, and was today the day he became Prime Ministerial. And so that last thing before... Um... We finish. I'm going to ask you all for a prediction, um, as I like to do every now and again. Which no is, chance, no way. You know, <laughs> what, just no to the suggestion of a prediction? <laughs> um, you know, a, a prediction of, will the Scottish government win their Supreme Court case and will they win a general election um, 
on the basis that they set set out on the popular vote in 2024. If they don't win that, Hannah, start with you. Ugh, well, can, can I do maybes as well? No. Maybe, oh, okay, well, no to the first one, no to the Supreme Court. Um, you know what? I'm going to say yeah to the general election turned referendum if they play their cards right and other parties decide to sacrifice themselves and fall on their swords for the sake of independence. Alex? I mean, as the resident legal expert on Supreme Court, <laughs> I was a court reporter for two years. I know my media law. I can, I've got a shorthand, but I don't think that necessarily makes me an expert. Uh, no, they won't win, and they'll, you know, they'll win the next uh, general election in Scotland and have some sort of mandate if it's not already happened yet. But it's all a moot point because they're going to lose the election anyway. They'll lose the referendum anyway, so... Alistair? Uh, no and no. <laughs> the end. <laughs> well, yeah, everything is totally uncertain, but you've asked us to pick our yes or no, so I've just... <laughs> I'm coming okay, down what, percentage, what percentage are uh, leave and remain getting? <laughs> Connor, what do you think? Yeah. I'm just going to go... I'm just going to go for uh, to be interesting. Uh, no, and the the dreaded um, ratio of fifty two forty eight will rear its ugly head in twenty twenty four. Which way? Yeah, in what, in what, yes. what way? Yes. On the record. On the record. Which way? Yes. Okay. Yes, Alex. Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, anyway. we that up. <laughs> uh, that's all we've got time for this week on the steamy a reminder that uh, the trailer for a brand new podcast from the scotsman how to be an independent country scotland's choices is out on spotify now um do give it a listen a uh, first episode of that podcast looking at how other countries have experienced independence will be out in later this uh, later in july um thank you very much all of you for listening and for joining us and thank you very much indeed bye-bye And once again, Captain Hindsight comes to this house and attacks the government for doing exactly what he urged us to do 18 months ago. Uh, Lots of words, lots of bluster, no answers. Uh, uh, Word of warning. Word of warning, Prime Minister. That's not going to work with the police. (laughs) Market rate, £3,000 a day. Were you signing Lionel Messi? This is First Minister's questions just once. Just once it would be nice to get a First Minister's answer. Any political party in this chamber that was confident in their arguments around independence would not be desperate to deny the people of Scotland the right to make that choice. The Steamy, a laudable production for the Scotsman. 